All right, let me just ask you just a quick question off the bat this morning. Um, let me know, let me ask you if your mind kind of thinks or works this way. Um, do you tend to fill in things that you don't know? I call it filling in the gaps with negative things and suspicion, or do you more tend to give people the benefit of the doubt? Like, let me give an example. If someone shows up late, shows up late to work or late to do something, do you automatically say, man, that person is never on time. They are lazy and they're not organized. Or do you jump right to, maybe something happened. Maybe there's an emergency in their family. Kathleen, I could not be more different in this area. I'm the patient one and Kathleen isn't. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> Kathleen always is gracious. She's always like, I'll say something. And she's like, well, maybe they just, and I'm like, really? Really? She's just always on the positive side. I usually go to the negative. Or have you ever filled in the gap about something that you were completely wrong about and then you felt terrible about it later? That's never happened to any of us in this room, right? Never happened to us. Um, when I turned 40, Many, many years ago, um, the church had a surprise 40th birthday party for me here at the church. It was really, really fun. Some of you may have been there that have been at the church that long. But uh, there was quite a few misleading stories that got me to my surprise party. And I will just say many, many lies that were told <laughs> that many people had to repent for after uh, the party. So... Um, the whole thing was Kathleen was at a ladies' event, and uh, she goes, you have to do something, dinner with the kids. Now, I don't know why. It was just Lily and I, who was five at the time, and, my, and our youth pastor at the time, Mike Becker. I don't even know where the boys were. I still don't know. I think they're out playing in the woods. I don't even know where they were that night. And so she goes, just take Lily out. Mike's going to go with you. I'll do the ladies' thing. So Mike was taking so long to pick me up because he was stalling waiting for everyone to get to the church. So I kept texting Mike, Mike, if you don't get here soon, we're going to be waiting forever in the restaurant. I'm getting so mad at Mike. Finally, he's, he's late, and he goes, oh, by the way, we have to go back to the church. I'm like, what? He goes, the alarm went off. The alarm went off, and we have to go back and said, I go, I go, you were just at the church. Are you serious? Did you forget to set the alarm again? And I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to fire him. I mean, I'm so, <laughs> at this point, I, I am so mad. And so he picks me up. We come back to the church, going down Ridge Road, coming this way towards Williamson. And the minute I looked at the parking lot and saw all these cars in the parking lot, I'm like, boy, was I wrong. Did I fill in the gaps? I had to do a lot of repenting for all the things I thought about Pastor Mike and wanting to to fire him. We've all done this, right? We've all, we've all filled in the gaps one time or another. We've done that. And why do we do that? Why do we tend to do that? Why do we tend to be suspicious or fill in the gaps with, with wrong intentions or wrong thoughts? Well, the reason is, is our hearts. And if, listen, in your Christian walk, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, the thing that you're going to struggle with the most is not all the things that are going on in our world today. The thing that you're going to struggle with the most is battling your heart. It's battling your heart. And as we've been studying the book of Jonah, it's more than just a story of a man who got swallowed by a big fish, got vomited up on dry land and went to preach to a city that was wicked and needed to hear God's mercy and judgment. That's part of it. But really, it's a story that goes so much deeper than that. And that's why we're digging into this, because the story of Jonah is so relevant for our day and age today. 
what we're living with today. That's why I want to take a deep dive into the story of Jonah because the story of Jonah deals with Jonah's heart. It deals with Jonah needing to see the heart of God. It's dealing with Jonah's heart when he wants God to act one way and God acts the opposite to the way Jonah wants and then it reveals the true intentions of Jonah's heart. The book of Jonah is about the character of God, the character of God and how he deals with us and the world around us. And we need to be so careful in our world today as followers of Jesus how we're dealing with our world and how we deal and how we're allowing God to deal with our heart with the things that we see going on around us. God wanted to deal with Jonah's heart because Jonah had a hardened heart towards a group of people that God ultimately wanted to reach. In fact, a group of wicked people, the Bible says. Wicked and, and God calls it for what it is. He doesn't whitewash the reality of the way the Ninevites were living. He calls it that. But through God's mercy and grace, he wanted Jonah, this prophet, his mouthpiece, to go and preach repentance, saying, if you turn your heart and turn to me, I will spare you. Because God had mercy and love for that city, which Jonah obviously did not. So Jonah the prophet, he's called to this wicked city to change their ways or God's judgment will come. And as we understood last week, Jonah is reluctant, doesn't think they deserve it. In fact, gets in a ship that goes the opposite way of Nineveh. And then we know he was swallowed by the large fish and then God vomits him up on dry land. Jonah is sorry and he goes and, and, and preaches to this city. But Jonah thinks they don't deserve a second chance. So he does and he preaches, but this is what Jonah struggles with. And this is the question for you and I living in our world today. Jonah struggles with how God can be both just and merciful at the same time. How can God be both just in seeing all the wickedness that's going on, but at the same time be merciful towards these people who don't deserve it? I could have had a V8. It sounds like we're living in today, isn't it? What's difficult for many of us is we see what's going on in our world today and it should concern us. It should bother us. But how is it bothering us? Is it bothering us in the way that they need God's mercy and repentance? See, what can happen is we can fall into one of two ditches. We can fall into just the mercy, uh, grace ditch where we just overlook sin and never call out what the Bible calls sin and we never talk about repentance and how God wants our hearts to change. Aren't you thankful that God calls us to a heart of repentance to come back to God and that God will forgive us through his son Jesus? The story of the cross is all about God sending his son who did nothing wrong who was sinless, to bear our sins so that we wouldn't have to face the judgment of God. Without talking about repentance and sin, we completely bypass the work of the cross. The cross is vital for us understanding the heart of God, that we don't deserve God's mercy and grace, but because of his love, he sends his son for you and I to die a death that you and I should have died. Aren't you grateful for that? So if we don't understand that, then we're going to fall into the trap of judgment. And this is where Jonah is. He understands the mercy and the love of God, 
but he doesn't get it. It's not going to his heart. He doesn't understand how God can be merciful to a people who are so wicked. And we can easily look at our world today and we can say, God, just get him. Why doesn't things change? Why doesn't your judgment come? Aren't you thankful that God is patient? He's patient with you and I, wanting all of us to come to the place of repentance in our lives. Listen, if I'm not speaking the gospel to my heart, I'm going to fall into one of two traps. I'm going to fall into the trap of just grace, grace, and overlook sin. I'm going to fall into the trap of just God, get him, get him, get him, justice, justice, justice. The gospel balances us out. People, we need to understand the gospel message in our day and age. And let me tell you, the church doesn't look real good right now. It's not a good look for, for, for us in the church because we're not coming back to what God called us to and that's the message of Christ that he came for lost and dying people. So listen, Nineveh is no different than what we see today. Can we just be honest? It's no different. And so God is speaking to a wicked city that goes against the morals and the values of God but God is using Jonah to reach them to speak his mercy and grace. So the question is, how can we be, find the balance between justice and mercy? Jonah wants God to act one way. He wants to see the justice of God and that he wants them to get what's coming to, to them. Let me tell you that our God is a God that will enact his justice one day. He will. And so let's not worry about that. Let, let's let God be God and let him be the judge as we speak the truth and as we speak the truth in love. Let's balance our lives through the gospel message. So let's read here in Jonah. Let's read how God deals with Jonah's heart and what he speaks to him. So we're going to look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, and we're going to look at also, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. So if you've got your Bibles, you can look at the screen. Let's see what he says here. So when God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil way. So we need to underline that word evil. That's going to, it's, it's going to be important as we continue in the message. And it said, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them and did, and did not do it. Everybody say amen. Amen. He didn't, they repented. And so God didn't bring the disaster that he was going to bring on his people. Now you would think Jonah would be jumping up and down and saying, oh my goodness, these people repented. God, you're so faithful. I can't believe it. Look at verse, well, let's go on. Let's see what happens here. But it displeased, it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And we're going to understand what the Hebrew word there for exceedingly means. It's very interesting. And he was angry. He wasn't happy. He was angry. And then he prayed to the Lord and he said, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. He knew what God was going to do if they repented. He knew it. And he's still mad. He knew the heart of God. He knew that God was gracious and would relent if they repented. But he's still mad. There is a huge disconnect in Jonah's life from what he knows and his heart. That's where we're going today. Listen, if God doesn't have your heart, and if your heart is hardened, we will not be able to hear from him. That's why we need his word so desperately to break our hardened hearts. So he says, therefore, O Lord, please take my life from me. 
He wants to die. For it's better for me to die than to live. And this is what the Lord said to him. And this is what the Lord says to you and I. Are you ready? I'm fired up. I had my cappuccino this morning, okay? So look at verse 4. It said, the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Or do you have a right to be angry? Do you have any right to be angry in this situation? So Jonah, what he does is he goes to Nineveh. They repent. Great news. They change. They listen. Praise God. You would think Jonah would be happy. He's not. Not only is he not happy, he's actually angry. Jonah prays and speaks to God. He speaks of his gracious character. You're abounding in love and slow to send calamity. However, I would rather die. I don't like your decision. So what's wrong with Jonah's heart? What's wrong with Jonah's heart? What God's decision revealed in Jonah was that he had a a divided heart. A divided heart. He knows that God is good and compassionate. He knows God was good to Israel, would forgive their waywardness if they repented. But Jonah's attitude is this. I don't want you to forgive them. They don't deserve it. He has an undivided heart. So what's wrong with his heart? Well, what it revealed, God's decision revealed the hatred that was truly in his heart for this group of people. Come on, people. Are you a video 1030 crowd? Okay. As long as God would bring destruction, Jonah was okay. So what's really going on here? Jonah wanted God to serve his needs, not God's plans. Okay, now everybody should say ouch at that point because here's where it gets real for you and I. See, when something doesn't go my way or my plans don't go my way or I get mistreated or something is unfair and God allows this to happen in my life, what it will reveal is a couple of things. It's going to reveal what plan I'm truly trusting. See, when things don't go my way, it's going to reveal whether or not I have an undivided heart or a divided heart that's going to trust God. See, even Jesus prayed, not my will be done, but your will be done. As he goes to the cross for you and I, as he dies a horrible, painful death, he says, not my will, but your will be done. When things don't go our way, it will reveal what's truly going on in our heart. What Jonah was was really living for was destruction and revenge. And if that didn't happen, he would rather die. So he calls out to God for his salvation when he was in the belly of the fish. And what does God do? He saves him. He brings salvation to Jonah. Jonah calls out to him. And God saves him. God spares him. God shows him mercy. God is patient with Jonah. Even though he knows what's going on in Jonah's heart, he's still trying to reach Jonah to break his hardened heart. And God still uses him even though his heart is still hardened because God loves him and wants to use him. Aren't you so thankful for the patience of God in your life? In my life, I should have been struck down with lightning a long time ago. But God is patient with us through his love and his compassion. And yet he's not happy at the rescue of Nineveh. And so what we see is this divided heart of Jonah. He wants rescue, but not for his enemies. God, bless my life. Do good things for me. But then look at what's going on in the world. They deserve what they're getting. See, we can't have, that's not the gospel. 
That's not the gospel. That's not heart of the gospel. See, when things don't go our way, it will reveal if we do have truly a divided heart. It will reveal truly if we have a divided heart. Now, here's, here's what's so ironic about this whole story, and, and maybe you've never seen this before, but this is really interesting. Here God spares this evil city of Nineveh because they repented, Yet God sparing Nineveh reveals Jonah's sinful heart. If you got that, Marilyn, stick, I think we've got a card for that. Yeah, let's go to the next one. Because I want you guys to get this. Go to the next one, Marilyn. Okay, I think we missed it. I'm sorry. So here, here's what he does. God spares the city, but yet it reveals the evil intent. Of Jonah. There it is. Ironically, God spares the evil city of Nineveh because they re- repented, yet God sparing Nineveh reveals Jonah's sinful heart. See, that's where we need to look at our lives very, very closely. It is said actually that Jonah was exceedingly displeased, upset, or angry by the decision to save Nineveh. The Hebrew actually reads this way, and you can see it if you're reading from the ESV version, you can see it in your footnotes. But the Hebrew literally reads this way. It was exceedingly evil to Jonah. God's decision to spare them, he was so angry, it was exceedingly evil to Jonah. In chapter 3, the people of Nineveh turned from their evil. God relented from bringing disaster to them. And this is what's so ironic. The wicked people Jonah came to preach to are now in harmony with God and Jonah now has evil intent. Are you kidding me? The very prophet of God who should know better, who just said, God, you're gracious, you're loving, you're compassionate. I know what you're going to do. I know if they repent, you're going to forgive them and you're not going to bring disaster. Now, just kill me now. I want to die. And what it does is the person that should know better now has the evil intent. God reveals what's truly going on in his heart. You see, in chapter, uh, in, in chapter 4, Jonah just talks about the beautiful, wonderful character of God. Yet Jonah is not living it in his own life. And the same Hebrew word for evil in chapter 3, verse 10, they turn from their evil ways, is the exact same Hebrew word In chapter 4, verse 1, for displeasure, it literally means evil. Jonah is the one who had evil intent in his heart. God, through his love, is exposing the evil intent of Jonah's heart. Listen, there is no way we can possibly rightly deal with our world today unless God first exposes our intent of our heart and making sure that we're following the ways of God and what he has for us. That doesn't mean we overlook things. That, mean, that, that shouldn't mean that we like what's going on. That doesn't mean we, we shy away from preaching what God desires us to speak and sin and the things that are going on in our world. But God needs to expose some of the things in our heart first. And we need to constantly be under the microscope of allowing God, God, is my intent wrong here? And God will use situations in our lives on, you know, just uncomfortable situations because he loves us to expose maybe what's going on in our heart if we allow him to do it. So how we act when things don't go how we want them to go or people disagree with us or people we don't like, just maybe, just 
maybe God is allowing those circumstances and those people to come into your life because he loves you and he wants to poke you a little bit and he wants to see what's in your heart because he loves you too much to allow your heart or my heart to remain unbroken. So he's going to use that if we allow him to reveal some of the intent intent in our heart. And that's exactly what God does for Jonah. He reveals the true intent of Jonah's heart. So let's um, let's uh, buckle our seatbelts. We're going to get a little uncomfortable. Is that okay? Can we get a little uncomfortable? Everybody okay? Okay, let's get a little uncomfortable. Here's, here's how we can know if God is poking us a little bit or, or if there is or if there is evil intent in our heart. You see, when others succeed, when we see that others succeed, are we happy? Or is there something in our heart sometimes that there's a little bit of jealousy that comes out, right? We might be thinking, oh yeah, well, you know, yeah, they, well, how do they have that new car? How can they have, they must be really in debt. Wow, for that car, right? We don't know, maybe Aunt Gertie just gave them a big inheritance and they could get a car like that, right? We, we don't know. But there's something, those situations, no matter how they got it or how they did it or whether they're in debt or not, can reveal something in our heart or evil intent in our heart. We, like Jonah, can have evil intent or a malevolent heart if we're not careful. Inward, inwardly, are we wishing harm to others? Secretly, secretly, wishing for their failure. And we can say things about other people behind their backs. You know, we, we can cloak it in, oh, we need to pray for them because, you know, <laughs> right, we do that all the time. But it could be small things. It's getting real quiet in here, but that's okay. It can be, it can be small things or small cunning things that secretly sabotage their character because we don't like it. So inwardly, we might be Jealous, or maybe we're second guessing their decision without ever talking to that person. You know, are we assuming their motives? Are we assuming that the reason they did this or why they did this? We can assume a lot without talking to that person. And then we talk to other people. But what those situated, whether or not that person was completely wrong or not, whatever they did to you, whatever that might be, if we're not careful, it can reveal something in our hearts that God doesn't want there. And if we don't look at our own hearts and our own intents, our hearts can grow hardened, ultimately hardened to the Lord. Where we can read our Bibles every morning and, and worship God, but meanwhile, if our hearts are hardened, God can't speak to us. See, Jonah understood the graciousness of God, but he wasn't living it out in his life. And this is, this is what God is trying to say to Jonah. Jonah, I'm trying to break your entitled heart. I want you to see that, yes, I don't, I don't desire destruction to come, but I have to judge because I'm a righteous judge, and God has to judge sin. Thank God for that. Because he loves us too much to leave us in this condition that we're in. That's why he did everything possible to give us a savior to get us out of the condition that we're in. We're lost. And a life that is determined to damnation without a savior. So God does do it. He does judge sin. But what he wants Jonah to see is, I want you to love with my compassion and my mercy, not wanting them to stay in that condition. 
And so what God does at the end of chapter 4, he says, Jonah, don't you see that I care about all these people? Thousands upon thousands of people and their livestock? I care about their kitty cats and all their pets. I care, I care about all that. And Jonah does nothing. We, we actually end the whole story by just scratching our heads like, what? He's like, man, I, I provided a plant to grow over your head so you wouldn't get sunburned because you didn't bring any sunscreen with you. I've done all this for you, Jonah. I've, I've, I've taken care of you. I want your heart to be broken. I want your heart to be broken with the things that break my heart. You see, the correct way to talk to a person or to hear them out, the biblical way, is don't assume what you know about their heart or their motives. See, we can justify our wrong behavior through our self-righteousness. Well, they did this to me, they did that, whatever it may be, and I'm not trying to whitewash any of that, but we can justify our anger and our evil intent, right? We can justify that and have wrong behavior and have evil intent. I want you to understand that there's no altercation that ever deserves an unchristlike response, ever, ever. That doesn't whitewash what anyone has done or has done to you, but it never deserves an unchristlike response. And we can come off as mean and then justify it by saying, well, I'm just giving him the truth. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest, Pastor. You know what I say to that? That's what I say to all that. Here's the reason why. We're not... Jesus wasn't out to win a popularity contest, and we're not out to win a popularity contest. But can I just say this? Mean is mean. Mean is mean. And I have to always check myself, am I walking in the spirit of Christ? Even when I see the atrocities that are going on in our world today, am I still walking in the spirit of Christ? So how do we protect ourselves from a divided heart? How do we protect ourselves from a divided heart? I love Psalm 51. Psalm 51, David calls out to God. And it's a psalm of repentance. And this is after Nathan the prophet exposes David with his sin with Bathsheba. And it's, you know, it's just a beautiful psalm of exposing your heart before God and allowing God to deal with our sin. In Psalm 51.10, David says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So what is David saying there? What David prays for in a pure heart, what does it mean? It doesn't mean perfection because we're all going to make mistakes. You're going to walk out of here today and do something stupid. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake this week. We're all going to make mistakes. It's not talking about perfection. But what it means is, is having a singleness towards God. A singleness. Not a divided heart, but a singleness towards God. You see, an undivided heart doesn't have an, a hidden agenda or is duplicitous. It's not saying one thing and then doing just the opposite. See, a singleness is what God desires in our heart. Jonah believes one way about God, but then he has hatred in his heart. He has a divided heart. So how do we fight not having a divided heart or having a hardened heart? By being honest with our motives and being vulnerable before God, God can have access to our heart. And so when you, when you get angry, when you get upset, when you're watching way too much news on TV, which I would say, well, this turn for kids out there, this is what we used to do with the TV, but you can do this now or whatever. Um, we had to actually turn the dial on the channel. 
and we had three. Okay, I'm going off now. We had three television channels. Okay, that was way back. Okay, pastor, shut up. So what is it? What does this mean? See, this is when my heart gets angry. That doesn't mean that there's not a thing called righteous anger that should upset us. That we should see it should grieve us. Does it not grieve God? Does it not upset God? Absolutely. Did it not upset God when he looked at the city of Nineveh? Absolutely. But he did something about it. He called Jonah to do something about it. To call to them and say, there's a God who loves you, who cares for you, that if you are to turn your hearts towards me, I will relent in my destruction. That's our calling. It should call us to do something, not just sit there and complain. We can complain all day and then do nothing about it. See, that's where the gospel message comes in. The gospel message comes in and it says, I want to proclaim this wonderful message that Jesus has come to set you free. Will they accept it? Maybe, maybe not. But that's God. It's all in God's hands. I'm just to be his messenger of love and peace and reconciliation. That's what God calls us to. See, you'll know very quickly if grace is ruling your heart by the way you respond to those who disagree with you. You'll know really quick. If you get angry and upset and offended, the gospel's not ruling your hearts. And you're saying, but Pastor, you understand our rights are being violated and this and that. You don't know what's going on. Listen, real quickly, we lost our rights at the foot of the cross. We relinquish them to Christ and now we follow him. That doesn't mean, once again, we don't speak up, we don't speak up for the truth. But I think sometimes we're more concerned with our political views and if people agree with us than really the understanding of the gospel message and what Jesus came to do. Are you hearing me, church? Let's be careful here. Because what happens in our country when things don't go our way or, or this political cycle didn't go your way or whatever it may be wasn't a good look for the church and I think it revealed if I'm just being honest I love you guys if I'm being honest with you I believe it revealed some evil intent that God doesn't desire for his people let's come back to the gospel message that Jesus loves people and he wants to use us to spread that gospel I want you to be concerned. I want your heart to grieve for our world and what's going on. But let's be careful that our hearts don't become hardened in the meanwhile and that evil intent begins to dictate and rule our consciousness because then the gospel gets thrown out the window. See, it's not, it's not that we should never say anything or speak up when we see something wrong. It's in how we respond because how we respond will reveal where your heart is and if your heart's pure or if your heart's divided. So what God does for Jonah, and this is what he wanted me to realize, God showed Jonah grace by saving him from the fish. Jonah, I care for you. I care for what you're going through. But I care for those thousands of people that I want you to go to and tell them to repent and I will relinquish my judgment from them because I love them too just as much as I love you and I saved you from the fish see God could have acted and reacted differently God could have acted differently with us every single one of us deserved death yet through his love God gives us his son
every single one of us in this room, we don't merit or earn or deserve God's grace. Any of us. We didn't earn it. We just deserve his judgment. But God spares us through his son. And when you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, God relinquishes his anger because Jesus paid the price for your sin and my sin. And so God asked Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? My question to you this morning, do you have a right to be angry? Do you have a right to allow your heart to be hardened towards that person or that situation? See, underneath it all, Jonah had a calloused heart that needed to be softened. Don't allow what you see in our world to cause you to have an evil, divided heart. Maybe it's something that's happened to you that's caused you, and I'm, once again, I'm not trying to whitewash anything that's happened to you, but sometimes in those situations, it can cause us to actually have the opposite effect. Instead of reaching out to God's grace and God's healing, we allow evil to enter our heart, which causes our heart to become divided and actually robs us from the joy and freedom that Christ desires to give to us. And I think some of you here are under a lot of weight because you're just angry. You're angry. You're upset. You're allowing things that have happened to you way in the past to dictate your future which is hindering the freedom that Christ desires to give to you. Once again, I'm not minimizing what you've gone through. I'm not minimizing what our world is doing today. Please don't hear me wrong here. But what I am saying, when the gospel is applied to your heart, you understand the grace and mercy and freedom that comes through Christ that takes that weight off you. God will have the final say we can trust him with that. He's sovereign. We can trust him. So my question to you, are you walking in humility and grace? Let Christ soften your heart. Is there something in your life that needs to be softened? Situation or world um, towards someone else? I didn't share this in the first verse, so let me share this. We're gonna, I'm going to shut up and we're going to pray and we're just going to seek God. I can remember going to Mexico in 1998 with a group of young students. And it was a bad first couple of days because it was hot and the students were fighting with each other and bickering and what are we doing? It's hot, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, they were okay, but it was just, they were nitpicking, you know, just, yeah, you know. Those of you with kids, you understand what I mean, right? Just, yeah, this isn't going, come on, everybody, let's join hands in Kumbaya. We're on a missions trip. You think it's beautiful, but it was just a little nitpicky stuff. And what we did was we, we worked with the church and we would go into, you know, very, very poor communities and we'd pick them up in a bus and we'd take them to get medical care. And all the kids, you know, it was dusty, and we were doing kids' things in the streets. And, you know, they were okay, but there was a lot of bickering and fighting. And I can remember as we would pull the bus, and we'd have a big loudspeaker that'd say, hey, if you need, in Spanish, if you need medical treatment, please come, get in the bus, we'll take you to this church, and we'll give you medical help and dental help. And, and the buses would be packed. And I remember walking in the bus one time and looking at all the people. And they were so grateful 
to get medical help, to get their tooth pulled, whatever it is, they were like so grateful. And it was like God just peered into my soul and said, Barton, I care for every single one of these. I just want you to look them all in the eye and see how I see them. So what I did is I got all the kids, all the teeny boppers, all the teens, and I said, what I want you to do is before we leave, one by one, I want you to walk in the bus and I want you to look at every single person in the eye and I want you to see them the way Jesus sees them. So they're like, okay. So each one went to the bus, looked at all their eyes, every single one as they got off, tears. God broke their heart. Then we started having a missions trip. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jonah refused to look in the eyes of the Ninevites because his heart was too hardened to see what God saw. Listen, if you've got to turn the news off, do it. Listen, do it. You've got to start opening your Bible more and praying. Do it to get God's heart. If there's something in your life, something you need to amend with somebody, a broken rule, whatever it is, do it for the sake of Christ and your relationship with Him so that your heart does become hardened. Listen, people, we... There's no way we're going to correctly deal with the world and the issues in this world if our hearts are not softened towards the things of God. And he, got, he has to start with us. That Jesus came to seek and save lost people. And we're all lost. And we needed a Savior. He came to seek and save those that were sinners to call them home. That's our calling as a church let's leave all this other stuff on the wayside let's not let it divide us let's not pick fights if we're going to pick fights let's pick fights about how many people we're loving how many people we're serving let's do that that's the gospel so as we close in song today if you're here today we're going to stand we're just going to worship but I want to pray with you and and for you, if you just feel like, God, we're going to invite you to come to the front and just worship and pray and ask God just to touch your heart today. Maybe maybe it's just in a relationship. Maybe it's something in your life that, that God just needs to soften in your heart. Um, I want you to leave it here at the church and let God deal with your heart and just give it to him. And let the Holy Spirit speak to you on ways that you can do a better job at serving and loving. And so whatever that thing might be, just make it a symbolic act of like, God, I'm just coming forward. I'm just going to lay this at your feet. And we will agree with you. We will pray with you. We had such a sweet time in the first service. Let God do that work. See, we're going to sing about the altar. Come to the altar. The altar is where things died. Things were sacrificed for the Lord. No dead thing crawls back up from the altar and lives again. It's supposed to stay there. So if there's something in your life that you need to die for, make a symbolic act to say, Lord, I'm dying to this and I'm giving it to you and I just need your help. Break my heart, soften it. Make it a symbolic act unto the Lord today. I want to encourage you to do that. We'll stand with you. I'm right there with you. I need it too. <laughs> there's some things I need to die to in my heart. Amen. Father God, we just, um, we need you. Our world's in a mess. And it's because of sin. And we've all been there. We know the answer is in a merciful God who sent his only son 
servant. Not to be served, but to serve us and give his life as a ransom for every single one of us. God, break our hearts. If there's something in our heart that has been lodged in there, Lord, I pray you would unlodge that through your grace. If there's relationships that need to be restored, help us to take the high road in your grace to restore. Take away our bitterness, God. Take away evil intent. May we, may our prayer be like King David. Create in me, create in me, create in us a pure heart, a steadfast heart, a single heart that obeys you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me today? And if you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, let's sing this to the Lord. God bless you.